life can be tricky, making us ask, what was that? Join host Jan Murray and her guests as they explore the that's of life. Welcome to Life After That. everyone. I'm Jan Murray, your host for Life After That. In today's episode, we want to welcome Beth Reed from Pennsylvania. She and her husband, John, battled ALS for nine years, and she lost John almost one year ago. So she's brand new to the life after ALS. And Beth, can you tell us a little bit more information about you and John and your life together in Pennsylvania before ALS? Sure. Life was perfect before (laughs) ALS. Perfect. Um, I'll kind of just start. We have such a love story that. Please tell us. um, One day I'm determined to write a book on our love story. (laughs) You should. I've written Uh, three books. You need to write one too. (laughs) Okay. So Jen, you can, you can help me with that. Yes. Um, I started actually dating John when I was 11 years old. Oh, wow. (laughs) That is really young, Beth. (laughs) 11. No secrets here. No secrets. Um, And he was 15. So, yes, he was older. I remember his mother always saying, oh, she's just a child. She's just a child. Um, But it was like love at first sight. Um, He I was the cheerleader of town. And he was the badass of town. He was so (laughs) two different tracks of our relationship. Um, We were married. So we're skipping way ahead. That's Uh, okay. We were married in 1988. And um, we were together that whole time. You know, it was just everything was romantic. Everything was just wonderful he put me on a pedestal he just was the perfect husband perfect Mm -hmm. husband um and then we have two boys our oldest Hayden he is in the navy he's a chief in the navy and um, he's a recruiter and he is out living in Arizona with the navy and then our youngest son Evan he lives on our property um in a tiny house actually i love tiny uh, houses yes they have it so cute um and he and his wife kendall they just had my first grandson so so god answers prayers and uh gives me the blessing when he takes somebody i believe that wholeheartedly um john was he um was a mechanic for quite a few years for my father's business And then his last job where he spent 25 years, he was um, what they call a yard jockey. So he had his CDL, um, he drove truck, uh, you know, doing their company vehicles and everything. So he was kind of like the jack of all trades, would do anything um, and take care of it. Uh, But I can look at your face. I know our listeners can't see what (laughs) I can see. Uh, but on your face, I see a whole lot of love just coming out of your eyes when you're talking about him. So you obviously 
had a really great relationship and a great marriage to someone did. that you loved uh, for a really long time. I am very, I'm very fortunate and I'm very blessed that we had that type of relationship where we knew each other so much. Um, I, and I think that helped in my journey as a caregiver too, because I knew exactly what like John was, was thinking on what care he needed. And that was hard for me. Like when we did have help come in, I knew exactly what John wanted even, you know, before he did kind of really, um, and trying to explain that to people, it was hard to do. I can Um, understand because I believe Bill and I had that same type relationship because we were together 35 years, married 33 of those, and we were always together. So I understand that. You do understand. You complete each other's thoughts. You know each other's thoughts. You know the words before the other speaks. I I totally understand what you're saying. Yes. And, you know, I just, out of my whole, the nine years that I cared for him, um, It was hard to bring people in the home to care for him because uh, just I knew he didn't like it. I didn't care for it. I would just do it my way. And, uh, you know, you try to teach them, but it didn't really pan out that way. So we never found another nurse or somebody that really that we would trust and everything, let's say. So that part of the journey was hard. Uh, They still worked. Yeah, I was going to say, tell me about his work. Tell me about the things you guys did for fun and enjoyment. You know, before ALS entered the picture, give us a picture of your life. um, Before that, it was a lot of, um, well, we have a beautiful home and we garden and um, he would do all the outside chores. I would take care of everything. Um, We love to go to the beach. We loved, we were in, my oldest son, Hayden, was involved in lots of sports. So we were involved in those sports. You know, we were the team mom and dads and, you know, yeah. worked the concession stands all the time. We're at every uh, event and all of that as the kids were growing up. John then worked a lot of third shift. So we had that, you know, separation with, with that work and uh, him being like that walking zombie in the my husband was a third shifter also (laughs) like I totally get the third shifting yep (laughs) it was you're a walking zombie for a while so you are um you are but and then before um ALS like right a few years before I think our our dates were we love to gamble (laughs) we would go to the casino and uh you know john would always say this is this is our dates you know we're not sitting in any bar or anything we would be just gambling and he was so good with only taking a certain amount of money and no credit cards because he knew (laughs) if i was in charge we would be in trouble so well and that's what balanced herself out my husband and I tried that, I think, in Biloxi at the casinos, Biloxi, Mississippi, one time, and we took a certain amount of money. Unfortunately, he failed to take that ATM card away from me. Oh. 
And I found an ATM machine. (laughs) That was not a good thing. And then I won a little bit and then I couldn't stop. So I'm a person who cannot do that. The one-armed bandits, (laughs) the slot machines do in fact grab me. And uh, yeah, so I I can't do that. It was so much fun though. (laughs) If I had had self-control, we could have done it more, but we were like, yeah, we can't do this again because I don't know how to control my <laughs> impulses. <laughs> yeah, we were definitely, definitely like that. But that was kind of our dates that we would do. We would try to do, we always had some type of date on the weekend and uh, going for breakfast. And so um, we just enjoyed each other's company, whether it was watching You were enjoying and, life and you were happy. Exactly. So exactly, what started happening with him though? What what happened that he started thinking something might be wrong that caused him to seek out? My husband had probably never been to a doctor in 25 years, more than five times. And that's because he was made to go for something, you know, when things started happening to him. What about your husband? What what happened I, that sent you there? We as a family uh, were really never to the doctor. We we just didn't go. We we really were kind of healthy. We didn't. We I were mean, too. Yeah. Wood. Or he, we my husband was anyway. <laughs> we didn't really get sick, and um, we we didn't go. So we weren't like all the medicine all the right. time. Right. Um, John started, and I'm going to go right back because to I don't know if it's this is how I feel. This is in my heart. Um. The place that I was working, I worked for a hospital. I'm in their business office. Mm -hmm. And uh, um, our hospital was, had a mandatory flu shot that we had to get. And I just listened to everybody um, before I do a lot of researching like I do now. I was just uh, listening to them about getting the flu shot and I you know, I had to get one for work. And I came home to John and I said, you know, honey, I'm, I have to get this for work. I said, you know, we're getting older. Maybe you should get one. Oh, sure, honey, whatever you think. He would do anything that I said, really, he would. Mm. And so he um, did get the flu shot. And Jan, I'm going to say about two months after that, um, it was on a Friday and I can remember this weekend. It was on a Friday and John came home from work and he surprised me that he drove up our driveway because usually he would call on his way home always, or, you know, he wasn't real good with texting back then, but calling. And uh, he says he got out of his truck and he said, I just feel so weak. I can't move. Um, and at that time we had an outdoor wood burner um, and he couldn't even pick up the logs to throw in our wood burner. Hmm. So it was a Friday and it took him all weekend. He was just passed out the entire weekend. So we thought, okay, this is maybe a flu or something mm-hmm. or whatever. And I'm, I'm going to say then another few weeks after that, he started with like, slurred speech and people at work 
he'd come home and he said, how come people think that I was drinking? Oh, time. yeah. My it husband really had slurred drink. speech. Yeah. Right. My husband was not a drinker. So. They would say, you know, John, are you drinking or something? And um, he was even sent into like the HR department. And, <laughs> wow. Um, and so he was thinking, and then we would notice it wouldn't be all the time, but every once in a while you hear these slurred speech. Mm-hmm. And uh, we were thinking that... Um, his was it his gums that were receding you were you were just trying to find anything and right. at that point I knew nothing about ALS I didn't know anything and uh um so he went to the dentist and the dentist said no your teeth are fine nothing he the dentist sent John to uh ear nose and throat just to see to um and that's when they saw the fixations like the fixations yeah in his tongue, in his uh-huh. tongue moving um and they thought well maybe John was having a stroke so they sent us to the emergency room to have an MRI done and to rule that out and that's when someone came in our waiting room and from neurology and they did a workup. And when they took John's shirt off, they could see all the muscles. Jen, here's a person that slept right next to me all the time, you mm-hmm. know, like we were together. I never saw that. I never felt that. Uh, John would experience like Charlie horses in his legs, like during the night. Mm-hmm. We even tried like the dial soap underneath the mattress you heard about. Yeah, like, I have. Pains and stuff you're trying. You try anything when that stuff with, starts happening. You yeah. try anything. And you are a doctor Googled by any means. You Googled mm-hmm. everything. Um, so when they saw that right away, this uh, neurology guy that I couldn't even understand, he says, yep, you have a motor neuron disease. Yeah. Amniotorosis, lateral sclerosis. I, to be honest, I had no clue And you didn't even know what that was, did you? No. So to this day, I tell everybody, because throughout our whole nine years 10 years of this whole thing um we were very honest open with everything I shared everything I shared what we were doing on Facebook I did videos I left everything nothing was ever a secret in our battle because John and I made that when he was diagnosed that if we can help somebody else through this horrible disease then God's giving us a reason and so that's, that's what my husband's thought. attitude was in the beginning he says i i kept a blog i wrote a blog every day for like three mm-hmm. and a half years and some people in the fam- his family did not like that but bill was he's like no let's make yep. people aware of what's happening to right. me and to my brothers right. and right. uh and I did. And eventually I turned that blog into my first book and it's on six of seven continents. So nice. <laughs> and the whole idea was to spread awareness, to, to tell yes. our story. And I wound up putting, I think, 10 other family stories in that book. Um, and that's why I do this podcast. I mean, yeah, I've been asked, are you making money on the podcast? No, I don't monetize this podcast. I have no desire ever to do that. This to me is a 
it's a ministry kind of it's just to help right. other families like yourself and myself to share our stories and maybe some things that we talk about on here will help someone who's listening if they're going Correct. through it Correct. um there's actually a university professor in another state who has listened to this podcast and has used it and is using it in his uh, social work master's classes. So his students know better how to serve families who need certain things. So to me, that means the world. If I can help, if it helps my guests to talk about their stories with someone who understands, if it helps those who are listening. um, And if it's helping train social workers and and healthcare providers be better yeah. Yeah. than this worth everything. So that's yeah. why I do this. So, yeah. all right, I interrupted yeah. you. So let's go back. That's okay. <laughs> that's all right. That's okay. Um, and then, well, that was, John was diagnosed then in June of 2013. Um, we followed, at that time, we followed, Steve Gleason so much. Um, you know, I would read on my Facebook, I would read about Steve, I would see him, he was going through exactly like the same steps that John was at that time going through. And uh, I would read everything to John and tell him all about what Steve was doing and following it. Um, and John knew that he wanted to live longer and he would get a trach. He, he just had that desire wanting it, but we never made that appointment like to get a trach. Like it just happened. So on uh, December 26th of 2014, Mm -hmm. uh, John developed a severe mucus plug. Could not, cough that mucus plug up Mm. um he didn't have a trach then he was his diaphragm was getting a lot weaker we tried everything to get that mucus plug up um i said john you're getting weak what do you want to do he called it he wanted to go to the hospital he made Mm -hmm. every call on his own um he was in sound you know sound mind he knew exactly what was going on So we went to the hospital, to the emergency room. Of course, he still had that mucus plug up, was getting weak, still there. Uh, They talked him into going up to ICU to be put on the ventilator to try to um, let him rest some and then would schedule the trait since he wanted wanted that. Right. Well, we get to... Um, up to the uh, ICU department and they uh, to intubate him. And what year was this? If you don't mind me asking real quick. That was uh, December of 2014. Okay. December of 2014. Okay. So we get up to the ICU and they administered an intubation medicine called sucky thiolene. No and, idea. <laughs> and um, anesthesiologists and uh, CRNAs refer it to it as sucks. 
as this intubation medicine. Oh, okay. Well, it caused John to go in card into cardiac arrest. Oh no. Um, it spiked his potassium so, so high that um, if you would Google sucky siling, anyone would Google that. It is not to be administered to anyone with a motor neuron disease. Oh, and they didn't know it or just were neglectful? <laughs> Which one? Exactly. <laughs> <laughs> exactly. So, um, John even was remembered him, you know, having the paddles done and was brought back. Um, he remembered all of that. And uh, he remembered it. He did. Because at when he was intubated, obviously he couldn't talk when he was intubated. Right. But he would, again, give me those eye looks. And he kind of like was pushing down like towards his chest, like his arms were very limp. He didn't have like, but it was trying to push down and look down. Mm -hmm. So when you're just laying there, you know, you at that time, Jan, when they can't talk, you're playing the guessing game. You start with everything. Okay. Is it something hurting? Is your head hurting? Is your arms hurting? Is your chest hurting? And when I got to chest, he kind of given me the, the big eyes, like that was hurt. So Again, you played the guessing game of what was going on, and he remembered them using the paddles on him. So, so. when this was happening, and when y'all decided to do the trick, had he already lost the ability to walk or to do other things? What he, what led that, to wanting the trick, I guess, is one. Well, he wanted the trick because he wanted... Um, to see the boys he wanted you know if they were getting married or grandkids he just was not ready to give up and go to heaven at that point so he obviously to be his around. breathing was already affected it was it affected was early on it sounds yes, it like was. yes okay it did it was compromised very early his okay breathing. um the mucus plug did not help anything oh so we, we suffered was, with mu mucus plugs i get it it was choking all the time yes, it was awful it was it was um so then that was december of 2014 and then on january 3rd of 2015 is when john got his trach and we were in intensive care they kept us intensive care obviously because of their neglect or their or whatever <laughs> we got some extra special treatment and care uh so 45 days we were in the hospital um learning how to and i didn't leave the site for 45 days i was there i think i came home here to the house you know to shower like one hour on sundays that's it so um Luckily, there was nice, convenient rooms at the hospital that I was able to change and do all but of that. You still, but you're not resting. You were exhausted. I know you exhausted. were. Exhausted. Yes. Yeah. 45 days. Because at one point in the hospital, you know, as they were rolling him, they were rolling him, like pulling his arms. Oh, oh. you shouldn't do that. No, no. I remember making a sign and putting it alongside John's head that said, Please don't roll me by my arm. Because <laughs> uh, they don't know, they don't realize they're yeah. literally going to rip yeah. whatever little bit of muscles exactly. and ligaments 
and Correct. joints. There's everything's messed up. Correct. Yeah. Yes. Yep. So um, that's where we learned all about the trach, how to care for it. I learned trach care, how to suction, everything was from the ICU nurses. And we came home March 3rd of 2015 from the hospital. And at that time when we got home, I was extremely overwhelmed because I felt like I was on my own. Of course you were. Uh, my son was here, so I was very blessed with him being here and helping me. Uh, but I thought, how am I going to do this? How am I going to start a routine? Will I be able? I was really doubting myself. And mm -hmm. prior to me leaving the hospital, um, the doctor came to me and said, are you sure you want to take John home? Do you know that you will be in and out of the hospital so many times? This will probably be your, and I can remember him putting up his hands to me and saying, do you know that you'll probably be in and out of this hospital? It will be like your second home with so many infections from the trach, him being on the ventilator. Do you really want to do this to yourself? Would you rather us find a nursing home? I was just like, I can't believe you're saying that to me. I, I think said, I will they, have do the, they have the best intentions. They I think they know how difficult the journey is yeah. and they're just yeah. trying to make sure, you know, I mean, and I did, I did, my bill was not on a trach, but I did wind up putting him in the nursing home the last three years of his life because I got, I couldn't do it anymore. Yeah. I was getting epidurals in my back. My blood pressure was too high. I had a minor, a micro aneurysm in the brain. Oh boy. Um, it, you know, it, he literally cried that day I got back from the hospital with that. And he was like, he couldn't really talk much anymore. It was very slurred. So he would point to a chart and he basically he was like, I'm ready to go. I don't want this to kill both of us. And my doctor had already said this disease is going to kill you before it actually kills your husband. Mm -hmm. So that, and it wound up being a good thing because I mean, nursing homes are nursing homes, but the one I put him in, a lot of people that visited would call it Disney World. It was like Disney. Oh wow! <laughs> it was, and I think still is probably the best facility you could imagine. Full of activity, a very loving people. I'm still to this day, six years later, still in contact with a lot of those CNAs and nurses that took uh -huh. care of him. They uh -huh. loved him. That's um, great. I'll you know, those kind of places are few and far between. Yes, we hard do to not find have, them. Yeah, but. We were blessed. Yes. We we yeah. were blessed that we found them. But we don't um, have anything like that here. Yeah, there's. I don't know of any other one. I don't know of any <laughs> other one like that one. But it, you know, I do think they tell. And I, we didn't do the vent, but I think they tell you that because they know it's going to be a difficult road, and it <laughs> is a difficult road. And we're fierce fighters for our men or and vice versa That's for right. the men who have had the wives. And That's right. we want to do everything we can for them. And it yep. appalls us to think of putting them anywhere. But yep. sometimes you do have to, though. Yeah. So, well, so continue your and story. And I put myself on the back burner for those nine years. Yeah, we know, all do. You, mm -hmm. you do. Uh, you know, it's just like being a mom, new mom with kids, you put yourself on the back burner. You have no Again, choice. Again, that's <laughs> what I'm trying to 
teach people that we can't do that. But um, I think in the ALS <laughs> world and probably in other diseases too, you really, I mean, if you're going to be the caregiver and you don't have, even if you've yep. got a little bit of support, if you're the primary uh, you hard. really do have to kind of bury your yourself is gone for a while because yep. you don't have time you to even think about yourself. I mean, and that's where I would I determined to help find something to help the caregivers, whether mm-hmm. it's you know groceries delivered or community like some people come over maybe to clean or just some little things i think the caregivers need so much they do um, but they do. that's a whole other topic yes it is <laughs> <laughs> that's a whole other topic that's on my list to try to accomplish for people um but like I said, I was determined to kind of prove that doctor wrong, that I could do this and care for him. Um, John went with when we got home from the trach. By the time he passed last September, he did um, four hunting excursions. You know, Tammy's uh, husband that I yes. we've talked. Well, actually, he did the same thing. <laughs> Tammy and Jim were on the hunting trip the week prior to John. So oh, wow, small worlds. We just missed e- meeting each other by a day. Okay. So they were with the Tom Seiple Foundation. Yeah. Who does, does wonderful disabled hunts. So um, through them, we were able to give John four hunts so he was extremely passionate about hunting he was loved it my husband was too big time i have those deer heads and elk all out in my living room to prove it (laughs) so now i showed him to my grandson you know these are what your grandpa got so we tell him all about them that's wonderful i'm so glad that y'all got to do that but he, we did, we had the people that we had one nurse, Jess, that was um, with us for two, two, two or three years. And she would actually take John out hunting and up in our bar to, to hunt, get him all dressed in his camo and um, take John out so he loved that and would sit in his wheelchair and they had an apparatus that mounted on his wheelchair right right he had like a a little tv on there as a scope he would (laughs) use and they would put like a ball in his hand and then he would pick somebody like one it was our daughter-in-law that uh when John went on the hunting trip for the elk that he said, Kaylee, you know, you're going to be with me. And so when John would see that elk in his scope, he would blink his eyes for Kaylee to help squeeze his hand. And it was right on. He never, that's missed. amazing. Yeah, he never missed. He was right on. That's amazing. So, yeah. So what so I'm hearing like is you- that. You took on the challenge to be yeah. the caretaker with the vent. And, you know, that is not for the weak hearted or the weak minded because that's 24 seven. That is. But you also yep. kept living and you sound your your life sounds a lot like Tammy and Jim. 
because Tammy yeah. really did everything she could to yeah. make sure if there was something they wanted to do, she they loaded did. him in yeah. that van and they had the van that my husband and I had. Um, okay. I passed it to them and they did whatever they wanted to do, you know, right. go to the beach, go on a trip, right. go to Disney world, yeah. whatever. She loaded yeah. him up in that ventilator and his eye gaze and buddy, they went. Yes, so. they made a trip right out here to Pennsylvania for the hunting. So they yeah. they did that. I and, remember uh, the pictures from mm -hmm. that because the uh -huh. sun was there. Yeah, correct. Right. So um, and, then and let me interject for oh, the listeners. We're referring to another friend. In the ALS world, Tammy, and I won't, I'm not going to necessarily say their last name right now. Tammy and her husband were good friends with me and my husband. And now I'm finding out uh -huh. by talking to Beth yep. that they know yep. each other as well and have similar uh, things that they've done. So the ALS world, um, we actually come together uh, in cool ways. We do. Uh, and through our we support do. groups that we have online, okay. uh, our private support groups, a lot of us have made these connections. Correct. And uh, I have a couple of really good friends, uh, wives who lost their husbands that live within a couple of hours. So we find ways to be connected. Yeah. And um, yep. as devastating yes. as the whole ALS thing is, I feel totally blessed by the connections I now have. How is, do you, what do you think about that? That is absolutely true. Um, uh, another friend, uh, Lisa, she takes care of her husband, Randy. Uh, Lisa and I are admins for the trach vent um, ALS group okay. uh, that we started. So, and that's Tammy's in that because yeah. Jim was um, trach. So we help a lot of people you know, with questions on being, having a trach, being on a ventilator 24 seven, you're right. It's, it's that community coming together and supporting each other and helping each and other even after with it's little over. things. Yeah. And Correct. even after it's other, a lot of us continue. I did yep. separate from the immediate ALS world for a little while because I just had to. Um, but now this podcast is here to serve ALS again right. and people like I said earlier before we started recording people will contact me so and so has gotten diagnosed can you help can you tell us who to call yes. and so I provide myself and my resources and my information readily and I'm happy to talk to anyone even if it's hard for me I'm willing to talk to anyone about what they're going through or and it right. sounds like you are too you're looking for yes. ways to help Absolutely. those caregivers and and speaking Absolutely. of our friend Tammy you know Tammy now works her husband's only been gone about a month she's working with the ALS association now okay. so Good. uh yeah and she's and her job is to make sure ALS patients and their families have the equipment that they need so and that's important because oh, yeah. we and if anybody are the only can do it it's her. yeah right. yes so i yes. admire her to be able to, I, I wouldn't have been able to do that. I would know how to do it, but I wouldn't be able to do it. Not right after Bill died, yeah. but, um, and you're less than a year out, we but you're, you're trying we to. We didn't so. get really good help from the ALS, um, foundation here. Um, so I think it depends on where you're other. at, your it location. Is. That yeah. is right. Yes. I'm hearing that from yeah. in our groups. Why? It depends on where it's at. And, uh, -huh. uh we got and the funds. Yeah, the funding. We got help through Muscular Dystrophy Association, the MDA, you know, the Jerry yes. Lewis thing. Um, yes. Because they spawn, they're the sponsor 
of the ALS clinic at Vanderbilt University in a medical center in Nashville, which we wound up going to. And that's how we got connected with the MDA who helped us get a chair and several other things. And then we got connected with Alabama ALS Association. We got some more help through them, but the MDA was super helpful. You do just, you know, it depends on how active certain organizations are. Yes. Um, Yep. You know, the gym of uh, the uh, Gleason Foundation out of New Orleans. We, we Gleason, got, yeah. They're the ones that yep. provided the eye gaze free yep. of charge to us. Yep. And uh, there was another organization, I think it was called ALS Angels or something. Guardian I think it, Angels. Guardian Angels. They yep. helped us. They sent us mm-hmm. money one time to help us with something. Right. So, yes. You know, it's a shame, though, that we have to search so hard to find it. It'd be so nice if there was a central something, right. you right. know. Yeah. Yeah. And I know, uh, just like you said, you have people reaching out to you. Um, I was saying to you earlier that, um, you know, in, in our small community where I, um, recent people have been diagnosed and they've reached out to me, like, you know, what do they do? Where do they go? And giving them all the connections. And one thing that I really wish we would have done in the very beginning, but we didn't know was do voice bank. Oh yeah. And see, that was a new thing when my husband was diagnosed. Well, your husband yeah. was diagnosed 2014, yeah. 13. 13. 13. Yeah. And we were diagnosed in 2010 and it was being talked about, but it was such a new thing right. by the time um, we found out more about it. Bill's voice was already going away. It was yeah. too late for yeah. us. And yeah. I, honestly, until I found an old video recording recently, I couldn't remember his voice before ALS. Yeah. And, yeah. and when I heard it, I was like, wait, is that Bill? Yeah. I was like, I don't remember. I could, I literally, I was with the man 35 years. I couldn't remember his voice. I, I have that same thing. I only have his voice on um, his own, his old cell phone, like on his voice machine. Hey, you've reached John, you know. Yeah, I wish I had that. Oh. Uh, but that's after looking over all my videos um, and things, I don't really have a whole lot prior to ALS because technology wasn't really exactly that big. So yeah. that's another thing I say, take pictures, take videos, you know, yeah. of anything, just, you know, make sure you get voices and interactions, take always that. And so... Yeah, Uh, that's one thing that I stress. I remember when we had, I had the landline phone taken out because, you know. Yeah, right. And (laughs) after it was disconnected that day, it suddenly hit me that the last voice recording I had a bill was on that electronic voice. And I realized it was gone forever. Yeah. Devastating. Yeah. Devastating. Yeah. So I was super happy to find these little tiny eight millimeter tapes not long ago. I didn't know how I was going to play them. And this is one of those situations where I think God stepped in. Uh-huh. I'm like, I wonder what's on those tapes. I figured it was probably our daughter when she was a baby. And I went to the Goodwill store locally on my lunch hour and was just <laughs> walking around, just wasting time. And there sits a camera bag with a camera in it that was identical to the one we had back when we would have shot those little tiny eight millimeter Uh videotapes. 
And I looked in the bag and I thought, well, I wonder if it'll work. Well, obviously it didn't turn on, but they only wanted $5. So I thought, oh. well, that's five bucks. <laughs> I'm, I'm going to pay $5. Yeah. So I, I paid it, went on Amazon, looked for a battery for that particular camera, ordered it. It was just a few dollars for the battery. I mean, this thing is old, right? Mm-hmm. A few days later, a battery came in. I charged it, put it in the camera, and it came on. Oh, nice. I grabbed those couple of tapes and put them in there, and there he was. I That's forgot good. how tall he was because uh-huh. for all those years, he was sitting or yeah. laying. Uh, I definitely forgot what he sounded like, and he's in, in these tapes. He's t- talking mm-hmm. to our baby girl, and yeah, I... I That's still nice. that gave me the goosebumps. <laughs> it did, and it made me cry. And at the same time, I still didn't remember his voice. I'm hearing it, mm-hmm. still don't remember it. Mm-hmm. Isn't that crazy? It is, and that's how I feel now. Uh, you know, you even asked me, "Well, what was life like before ALS?" You know, it's like hard to remember. It is, and unless I see pictures, I—I I mean, I don't have memories of things we did, but I truly don't. Yeah. It's hard That's to have I, any memory. It's just this, like, my life was just so different these past 10 years. That's where. That's where it's at. Like, like, John, you know, before the original diagnosis, you still had those symptoms that you were going through right. and ruling out stuff. But uh, it, it's just like you lived that 10 years of. And this. it's an all encompassing 10 years, it nine is. years, five years. It, it is. It absorbs is. every. Yep fiber of your being just to survive every day so you're right it's like the other stuff is another lifetime it's like somebody else's life that seems like what so far like oh right it just so long ago and as you get farther out and I hate this word widow but it's as you get farther out into widowhood I despise that word yeah um those nine years with ALS will also some days it'll feel like it was yesterday, but then you'll be like, wow, did I really yeah. get through that? You'll see yeah. Meg post about it in the group sometime about, you know, we battled a dragon. We really did. Right. And we did. It's like a whole nother life. And it's uh-huh. like, wow, did I really do it? Could I do yep. it again? Yeah. I don't know that I could do it again. I, I don't, I know I could because I was I, I just don't think actually thinking that. Like this week, I uh, I work from home with my job. And I worked from home throughout my whole 10 years with, with John. Mm-hmm. I mean, I worked still. I had a full-time job. And, you know, if I didn't have a nurse in here, I was running out to the living room, make sure he was okay, and doing my thing. And doing um, laundry. I did doing, laundry. Yeah. <laughs> Several loads a day of laundry. Yes. Yes, I did. Yes. Bed sheets all the time. Yep. But all the time. we would get up, I would start work at seven o'clock. Um, so I would get, we would get up at quarter of five every morning and I would give him a shower every morning. See, I had help with that after the first year and I was so grateful. Yeah. I didn't have, he didn't want any of that. Bill didn't either at first, but I said, well, my bag's almost gone and I'm having to go get epidurals. We have to have help because I can't keep doing this. And Mm -hmm. I remember the first couple of times that the, we had hospice for seven years. They stuck with us 
um yeah. as long as he was progressing down they stuck with us right and right. um i remember those first couple times that the other person had to help him and it was the most uncomfortable feeling in the world i was like oh my gosh there's a yeah. woman in there giving my <laughs> naked husband uh -huh. a, a shower, a shower. And i know i was I like know. i don't like this one bit <laughs> Um, but she wound up, she was just wonderful. And the one after her was just wonderful. And we were very yeah. attached and I have so much respect for those CNAs right. that do that kind of, I mean, they do not make enough money for See, what they and do. When you have a trach and on a ventilator, that's you even can't more complicated. Have a CNA. Mm -mm. You have to have a skilled a nurse. nurse. Yeah. You have to have someone special. And they were far between here in our area to get. And when you heard when they would say he's on a ventilator, kind of put like a red flag up. Like, they yeah, they don't really want to mess with that part mm -hmm. with it. So, um, but I will well, one say, wrong move with the ventilator and you can kill the patient. But it was the easiest thing. If <laughs> hey, you, did, you say that because you did anything. it all the time. I, I actually, speaking again of our friend Tammy and, and Jim, <laughs> Tammy was still working part-time for a while. And right after I put Bill in the nursing home, I actually went and I would sit with Jim while she would go work a few hours because uh -huh. by then I was not working. I was just, I went back to work eventually, but during that time, so I would go sit with him. Okay. So I didn't know a whole lot about that ventilator and I'd had a very quick lesson about how to do some things. And uh -huh. I can't remember what the situation was. Was I a clearing? Something? I don't remember, but I dialed I put her on like a video phone thing and I'm like I don't know what to do he's not he's not acting right and I showed her here she goes he can't breathe You're <laughs> so I, I can't remember now what I did wrong but she quickly told me how to fix it and I was like I am so sorry and Jim he was laughing I almost killed you oh my god Tammy I'm so sorry <laughs> and um you know but yeah. We took it in stride, but I could that terrified me. And I don't even I still right now can't even remember what it was I did, but he couldn't breathe because of what I did. <laughs> and uh so she could do it in her sleep, obviously. Yes. I'm sure you yes. could too. Yep. Not me. Yep. I could not, and I was yeah. terrified. And you oh could. my gosh, oh my gosh, yes. terrified. <laughs> yeah, you you did. You you could do it with like one eye open. Yeah. And with us. We were also a little bit different is like when we, when I suctioned John with the trach, I would what's called break the circuit. So I would remove the circuit from the trach, lay that hose over him. And you would just put like a finger over the trach part where you would yes. suction a little bit harder and deeper yeah. and then put the ventilator back on. Um, so we did do it kind of different, but for seven years, it worked for us. So, yeah. <laughs> um, but we did have a, uh, we had a pretty good routine um, and I was, John was um, liked that routine and I would stick to it because he would know what was coming up next right. because he couldn't yell out, you know, like, if, right. so, if I had somebody in here, I would try to teach them our routine. So John would feel comfortable with that as well. When did, did he have an eye gaze? Was he able to communicate he with an eye gaze? Okay. Yes. Yes. 
yes, he did. But sometimes, you know, if uh, you could, like he would have suction in there, he would say, but you could sometimes hear he needed suction. Right. He was big because he would say coffee, coffee, coffee a lot because he still, I would still give him coffee in his feeding tube. Oh, I put... Bill, my bill was on a feeding tube uh-huh. uh, and I would have lost him three years sooner than I did had he not had a feeding yeah. tube. Yeah. And, you know, uh, I bought every lollipop made in the world in every possible flavor. He had bacon flavored lollipops, oh. popcorn flavored lollipops cheeseburger flavor you could find a lollipop flavor oh. like anything and i would pay, i didn't care what i paid i paid he had lollipop and we had to have a couple of teeth pulled because of the sugar <laughs> <laughs> but he almost always had a lollipop of some sort in his mouth wow. that tasted like something but we would play around with the tube feedings and i'd say what yeah. are we having for dinner yeah. tonight we're having some lobster yeah. and some steak and i would yeah that he, he, his uh, formula was called two cow. He couldn't do the Jevity. Oh, yeah. And uh, I'd pour it in there and I actually loaded him up in, in the, in the van that Tammy and Jim had uh-huh. before them we had. And then before us, another family had it. I took Bill down to the beach a couple of hours from here. Uh, me and my daughter took him down and surprised him, loaded him up in his chair, took him from the nursing home. This was the last few years and um, took him to the pier that goes way out into the gulf that was his favorite thing that and to watch the boats come in with fish and we took him way out on the pier and um he it was time for a feeding so my daughter and i we just let him lean back and you know in his chair and watching (laughs) everything and we got the formula we start feeding him well people Uh people don't know how to deal with what they see in (laughs) front of them right. right exactly my bill was a prankster he was all about fun and games even Uh literally until he got so sick he couldn't that was his thing Uh and i have a picture several pictures from that day and people were like you know their eyes are this big and they're watching well bill noticed that people were watching he got tickled what happens if they start laughing when you're putting formula down the tube it's like a geyser and it comes back out uh-huh. So up comes the formula back out of the tube going everywhere. Well, everybody's like, oh, you know. <laughs> well, that makes Bill laugh harder. I'm laughing. Right. My daughter's laughing. But he's right. some formulas just, we're not alarmed at all. We're having a ball no. and watching everybody else. Yeah. So we were yeah. still having a good time. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. But we, yeah. and we did, we did that all the way to the end. We always laughed. That's um, how we were too. Yeah. Made everything fun how, and yeah. no matter what. Yeah. We'd laugh. We even laugh about the poop accidents. It didn't yeah. matter. We laughed about because if you don't laugh, exactly. you're gonna cry all exactly. the time. Exactly. Yeah. We did. We had a lot of that. I think he he was in very good spirits, um, uh, always positive, uh, lots much better than I was. Um, just a real inspiration. He, John's little motto that he used to say, um, uh, ALS sucks, life doesn't. And he would tell everybody that. We had that on a big sign. He sounds um, so much like my build and like Tammy's gym. Really does. Just, I mean, people, a guy actually asked Bill one time in the hospital when Bill had been very sick and 
I said, why are you always smiling? You can't move. You can't talk. But yet you're always smiling. And Bill, yep. at that point, because his eyes were affected, he really couldn't use an eye gaze. And he used his one little finger and spelled on his little chart. What would being mad or sad do for me? Yeah. It's better to smile yep. and be happy. Yep. And that's just, yep. that was his motto. That's, I think, that's mm-hmm. how it was. That's how John was, definitely. Yeah. Not up until, I, I'm saying, Probably. I would say up to the Did last you, few weeks because my bill got yeah. really, really sick there toward the end. So, yeah. Yeah. Um, like I said, John's eyes at the very end was just affected. Everything was, was well um, with him. And, uh, and he had a great attitude. Sounds very, like. very positive attitude. Yep. Yeah. So as long as he could get any movie that he wanted. <laughs> Let me say, because he had control with the Toby to yes. work the TV yeah. and to get on Amazon and buy movies. Oh. And Jan, they could be free on any other channel or but they could be buy on it. Netflix. But he's got to buy it because it had to be in his library. Well, and that gives him that control. I think it's important that. Yes. The ALS yeah. patients still are allowed yes. to have control over something. But that caused a lot of little arguments. Yeah, you know? I understand like, that. Can I have five ninety nine? You would hear on the Toby. Five <laughs> nine just five ninety nine. He probably has in his library. What do I do with all these movies? He probably has three thousand movies (laughs) do you think amazon would buy them all back from me (laughs) well i don't know just can i refund them can i return those (laughs) that's that's but you know if amazon stops stops licensing or i forget what the right term is but if they if they end an agreement that they have for whatever movies that your movie will actually disappear from the library. I didn't know oh, that. Oh, Yeah. But 3000, oh, that's, that's a lot of movies. <laughs> Did he watch all the movies that he bought? Oh yes. Oh <laughs> yes. Yes. Absolutely. And over and over and over um, towards the end, there is a, um, john travolta the movie michael yes where oh, he's the an angel, angel the angel yeah uh we heard that movie over and over and in the beginning it's heaven is my home so that was he played that continuously um and that was i his way of telling me you've got to let me go it's time yeah and that's hard well and I know it's hard for you. I've seen your face right now. That's really hard to remember that. But you have to remember you're going to see him again. And I truly believe that they're still around us, too. I feel certain well, things happen that I know. I know Bill somehow or another is still around. I do, too. I know that. Um, he in his all of his movies, he had uh, documentaries on eagles and in his Toby, he always said that he wanted um, an eagle to bring him a stem cell from heaven to help him and that he would be an eagle because eagles are the strongest bird. 
Well, Jan, I'm not kidding. There has been eagles flying around our home. That's your sign. That's our sign. That's your sign. I know it. My sign is particular numbers that show up. Yeah. And I always know when these particular number combinations show up, I know he's a brown. Um, One of the other friends we've mentioned is the same. And I'm not sure about Tammy. Uh, I know that for my daughter, it's a butterfly. It's a particular kind of butterfly. And she feels like her dad's there. It's Uh not any kind of animal or anything for me. It's a particular number combination that repeatedly shows itself. So I, you know, I can't explain any of it, but I, I just believe it. And if if it's a figment of my imagination, oh, well, it it gives me peace. Exactly. And that's all I prayed for this, you know, past year is just peace. And um, John's peace was, his death was, was very peaceful. I'm glad to hear that. I think I mentioned in our pre-recording that my husband's passing was not peaceful it was extremely difficult uh it was certainly not what he deserved and maybe he was unaware of what was happening i sure hope so because it was awful so i'm glad that you had that peaceful i hear that people i hear most wives and husbands who get on this show most of them their als their pals in fact did have peaceful passings and i'm so grateful to hear that that's the norm as opposed to what we experience so so we'll get ready here in a second to end our first episode and i'll have you back again in two weeks um to talk about what you've been doing since last year when you lost him and what you're doing to carry on i will ask uh one more thing of you on this episode though um so for about nine years uh you had the trach and sounds like though you guys were living as best you could and he was still enjoying life in a new way mm-hmm. but what happened that came to the end and is there anything you would change in the nine years or that ending is there anything you would change or that you could tell others if they're going through it now so tell me what led to the end and is there anything that you would change or do differently um I, I don't think I would change anything. I said, I think we had a, between the two of us, our team, we were a team, had a, had, I'm going to say wonderful routine that we knew that we, um, I kept him well. Uh, he didn't have any sickness throughout that journey. His immune system was strong. That's great. Um, you know, he wasn't in the hospital at all uh that's a that is actually amazing it is i had when hospice did come in hospice was only in for three days wow Uh, she said that she has never seen uh an als patient with such a strong immune system like his secretions were clear you know there was never any rattling even at that time wow what ended for John what made him give up was his eyes his eyes were the last to go um he was basically what they call locked in he couldn't move anything at night I would have to close his eyes Mm -hmm. um but they didn't close tightly 
Um, he even said to me, and he would come up with all the ideas, all the ideas. <laughs> um, he would say, tape my eyes, tape them. And I was afraid, and it was probably right. That's <laughs> what I should have done. But I was so afraid to tape them at night because what if he needed me with the Toby and then and he I couldn't wasn't awake. communicate, right? Right. Because we did, we slept through the night. We didn't get awake during the night. I was just so, that was in my mind. Like, oh, what if I couldn't get to you or something? So I, I, yeah, I wouldn't sure. do that. Um, so that was the last thing that he knew that he wanted to give up. And, and I think you told me before we started recording that he was having the same symptoms that my husband did, that his eyes were burning. His eyes were burnt. My he husband's had, uh, watered and burned like fire. Yeah, like yeah. they call it acid eyes. Mm. I was, you know, researching acid eyes. And uh, we did try. I was in touch with um, an ophthalmologist. She sent me some types of drops and we were doing drops mm -hmm. and they can put like like every a contact hour in them in, in their eyes now to the help of oh okay there's like a little it's an antibiotic contact but it's made out of an amniotic sack of some yeah. sort like a baby's yeah. and or something I forget how right. it's made but I remember that Bill had that a couple times and it was so it gave him so much relief yes um, I but I don't remember yeah. it's been enough years now that I don't remember everything right. about it but yeah right. the burning eyes man that was it was yeah. misery yeah he kept saying you know his eyes are getting weak his muscles his eyes are getting weak um, and he was having a hard time really communicating on right. Toby mm -hmm. uh, so him playing these different things like he'd have the Lord's Prayer up and would be repeating that to me uh, with Michael you know, yes. is my home saying it. So it's, and then when palliative care came in um, and they couldn't do any really more for the eyes, you know, and we had our, our pastor in and uh, you know, John, are you ready? And we asked, he was ready to go mm -hmm. to heaven. Um, so hospice was in the last uh, three days prior to them removing the ventilator and, so uh, he he was ready and he was able to tell you that he was ready for yeah. the vent to be disconnected yes. so yeah. did he pass away soon after or did he linger for a while um they came in and, and actually I had a wonderful uh team I had uh during for the hospice for that day uh and God answers in all the time because I was I was just kept praying for peace like please don't let him suffer don't let him you know I, I was dreaming that he would be gasping for air and that was not the case at right. all uh, they came in a critical care doctor she was a critical care she wanted to do this because she was able her father also was on a ventilator he had throat cancer so oh, wow. he was on the ventilator and uh she was able to remove him from the vent so she wanted to give wanted to help another family in, in that situation and not john did not want to go to the hospital he was mm -hmm. very adamant about not going to the hospital um so the critical care physicians and uh, the hospice nurse was here they administered the morphine you know you get that in the brown right bag. right right 
you know morphine wasn't even didn't even help my husband at the end at all they actually we had to use fentanyl to get any relief for him they did use a little bit of fentanyl um but at that point i was not administering anything i would not do that uh i couldn't do that but yeah, I, was, I, I didn't we were all along his side of his bed um and maybe he was with that drugs and every time i would go by him and talk to him he'd kind of wake up um, mm-hmm. and it was about an hour and then when um the doctor said i think it's at a point where uh i could remove the ventilator he will mm-hmm. not suffer anything um and as you probably know i'm into a lot of natural things yes yes <laughs> throughout i see your essential I, oils behind i, you. I use i used to have essential oils a lot of that too <laughs> i used a lot of well that's how i cared for john and uh you know we didn't use any pharmaceutical john wasn't on any medication other than a lovenox injection in his belly he was on nothing else right and that's Um, the anti-blood clotting thing right it is yeah Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. everything else was all natural that i used on him uh but when they he was passing i did get my frankincense out and anointed him and uh right after i did that he was he was gone frankincense is a pretty powerful one it is well, I'm pretty glad. I'm not pretty glad. I am extremely <laughs> glad that that the ending was peaceful and went the way it should go. I'm very glad. Yeah. yeah. And I appreciate you sharing what I know is still difficult for you um, at this point. So we'll go ahead and end this episode. And in the next episode, I want to invite those to come back. And uh, as we talk about what Beth's been doing for really less than a year, but what she's been doing to carry on after um, ALS. So Beth, thank you for coming today and talking about your journey. Thank you. Thank you.